Hey, what's up, guys? Yep, so episode four, pod, PS Journalist podcast. Pretty excited to be here. Sitting again in my uncle's beautiful trophy room. I uh, just finished a 14 day safari with my very good friend Pat Dugan. Um, this will be his third time hunting with me, and we, uh, he's had a very special day reunited his vows with his beautiful wife. So, um, it was something a little different. Um, but yeah, pretty pumped up to be here. Just going to give a big shout out to my wife, um, Joe, um, my brother, my mom. And um, uh, just a big thank you to Love Ties. Uh, thanks very much for everything that they've done for me. And then um, Mac- Maxis Ties again, um, the Maxis Bravo. Um, I think it was the razors this time that I used. Uh, awesome, awesome tire. No punches, no traction been a fantastic tire so yeah pretty pumped sit back enjoy and uh pat dugan everybody have a good one friend of mine um patrick dugan pat welcome to the podcast thank you thank you for having me pat um just just so everyone follows us in here with when you when you come over to south africa and stuff what do you what do you do back home where you from how long you've been hunting all that sort of stuff just basic info well i'm from prescott arizona obviously usa um i'm a welder by trade I've been hunting since I was about six years old, from squirrels, rabbits, and then moved into big game as I got older. Um, I always dreamed of coming to Africa. Came in 2008, <clears throat> had uh, had an okay experience the first week, and the second week kind of went south. Um, and I always knew that I'd come back, and, and luckily wound up coming to a place that I love. So... What, what what year did you come down? What was your first year? Not not to Antis Hill, but to South Africa. Two thousand eight. Two thousand and eight. Yes. Okay. And you, uh, what safari? That was a seven day safari. Mm, we were there twelve days. Twelve day hunt. Okay. <coughs> and then after that, who, who uh, well let, with that safari, who did you come down with? Uh, I came with Melody Safaris. Okay. And then your, your yourself, your dad. Yeah. Okay. What sort of animals did you get on that safari? Uh, that was a beginner's plane game. Um, uh, I added on a couple of animals. Uh, added on a zebra. Um, unfortunately, wasn't able to actually retrieve the zebra at that time. Um, blue wildebeest, kudu, gemsbuck, um, blessbuck, diker. Um, Trying to run back through my head here to see all the things that I shot back then. <laughs> um, I ended up I ended up taking nine animals, no ten animals that time. Okay. So, but mo- mostly planes game. Okay, cool. And then, um, and then you, h- how did you hear about Nancy's Hill? What, what, how did this whole relationship? Because this is your third time here with us. 
Yeah, um, I knew I wanted to come back, and obviously, 2008 was a. It, it ended up being a bad experience for us. Uh, the economy dropped out as soon as we got home, and being in the building trades, it did take a while for it to recover in our state. Um, once it did, uh, I decided I, I needed to come back to Africa because it just tugged at my heart too much. Um, I met Greg at SCI. Uh, my best friend and I had been going through SCI together, and he wanted to go. Um, he was very leery of it because he had never been. Um, he knew that I had had a bad experience the first time. We came down to two uh, choices, if you will, um, and one of them was Greg Harvey with Hunter's Hill, um, and we felt th the best presence with him. Um, having an owner sit there and, and talk to you and keep his focus on you, um, whereas the other ones, um, you know, I, I do like SCI a lot, but there's there's a lot of the groups that, you know, if you're not wearing a suit and tie and, a, you know, a four-carat diamond ring on yeah. your hand, they, they just kind of usher you along. Yeah. Um, and Greg Harvey, he welcomed us in, sat us down. What can I get you to drink? What do I need to what do I need to do? What do I need to tell you? And and he did. He answered all of our questions. He, you know, made us feel right away like we were a friend. This is something I've always wanted to find out from somebody, uh, especially at the ACR shows and stuff. So when you guys go there, uh, it was my first year that you guys came and saw it as well when I was in ACR. Yes. What, what, what sort of thing attracts you more to... Uh, or, or, or views you away from other guys and more towards Hunter's Hill? What, w what was the biggest thing? Um, <clears throat> well, one of the big things is, is you know, obviously you see in SEI, there's, you get the big, huge, fancy booths that you can tell right away that you're going to eat lobster and you're going to eat filet mignon, yeah. and that's not who I am. I, I do like to eat it, um, but I want to experience more true Africa. You know, I don't need, uh, although I do I do think the accommodations at Hunter Hill are a five-star accommodation. It's still rustic. The cabins are off by themselves. Um, you know, when you're here, you walk. You got to use the flashlights to watch out for rhinos and buffalo and everything else. And you're in the moment. Um, I don't need people to carry my gun for me. I don't need people to, to do all that fancy, fancy stuff. I want to have a good time. I want to eat good food and the have the whole experience be as if i was a, a south african yeah. you know but also you want to be treated as individual you don't just want to yes you know, get forgotten about yeah you're not a number it. yeah but the biggest thing isn't the price it's it's more about the experience and that sort of stuff it is yeah. and, and and the the great part about it was the price the price yeah. was extremely good compared to everybody else yeah. um that that i mean and and I don't mind paying more for things, if I know that it's it's worthy of that. Yeah. Um, Greg sold me on on him, and the accommodations and the hunt itself. The the price list really didn't come into a big concern of me. Yeah. It it did with with my buddy. Yeah. Um, he he was interested in trying to save some money, and I said, you know, you can save money and you can have a bad experience. Yeah. That's true because. But as well, I, th I think with with Uncle Greg especially, it's 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 
you know this is this is his passion this is what he loves it's not it's it's more about it's not it's not a business if i can say it like that he, it, he's passionate about it i i believe that 100 percent. he he reiterates it to me all the time that it's this is his hobby he has his other businesses that that's where he makes his money and this is something that he is also passionate about is hunting and he wants everybody to have a good time mm. and and you won't have a good time you're gonna have a great time if you don't have a great time and if you don't have a good time it's on you yeah because everything that you want is here if if you you know if you need you don't like a certain type of meal you can request something different and you can request certain meals as as I have done a lot of yeah you yeah, know? yeah but um so then you came over what what yes I'm trying to think this was my first time hunting with Pat and he's given me shit ever since then. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, we we had a an awesome first safari. I mean, shot a massive sable. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think what else. E- we shot the eland, the zeb- two zebras. Yeah. Um, water buck, massive water buck. Um, I don't think we should talk about the impala because that seemed to be my nemesis that year. <laughs> 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 Not not once, not twice, but three misses. So, um, but we we came back the second and wrapped yeah. him up. Yeah, some people get kudu fever, pet had impala fever <laughs> that year, <laughs> but that was in 2017. Yes. And then you came over with me and we did it similar time, wasn't it? May last year. Yeah, it was May of last year. Yeah, and we got an awesome run. I yes. remember that 28 and a half inch run. That was yeah. fantastic. Um, but that that safari you did with your dad. Yes. So the first one you did with Dan, your best mm-hmm. friend, and then you did with your dad. W- what was the reason bringing your father over here that time? Um, he's the one that brought me the first time. It was my passion. Um, we always kind of pick hunts okay. that both of us want to do. Um, he always wanted to hunt caribou, so we went together on a caribou hunt. Okay. Um, we, we like to hunt together. Um, yeah. Obviously, as you know, he's he's getting much older and more and more handicapped. But he's he's 75, going on 76, and he still gets out there. Um, he, he's, uh, I think they hunted eight days this time. Yeah, I think they hunted eight days, and and he did fantastic for mm-hmm. a man with two, you know, two fake hips, fake knee, and a massive back reconstruction yeah. you know last november so still gets in his camos still up at first light so yes. he, you know you did very well this hunt yeah. but this hunt was was special for you tell us a little bit about this hunt. Th- this hunt here um the first time i came you know and again this is where he, this is what kind of sold me on the hunt the first time was greg explained to us that there's another camp and he wanted you to experience different terrains different camps and we went to Rocklands yeah. uh, which is the the second camp um, <coughs> it's in the Fort Beaufort area yes yeah. um, and it the, the beauty of it is it's I, I believe that building was built in 1860-ish uh, old British outpost um, you're live you're, you're staying in history yeah. and and I'm kind of a history buff I, I like that okay. and and being able to sit on the porch where these guys sat and I got to watching the, the sunrise. And, you know, it, I, I always wanted to get my wife to come. And it, I was watching that sunrise come up. And I tried to take probably 20 pictures of that sunrise. And, and it would never do it justice. 
Um, and I thought, you know, how am I going to get her here? And this place had such a magnificent pull on me that I said, would you remarry me here? And we decided to renew our vows. And we knew we, we needed to plan it out a bit. So we wanted to do uh, wait two years, which was this year. Um, last year was to come to so for my dad and I to hunt together um, as well as kind of put things in motion yeah. for the for the renewal. Um, I was joined by my best friend again and his wife, uh, another very good friend of mine from high school, actually officiated, um, which was which was awesome. Yeah, it was very touching to have that, and and I got to have some of my family around me, um, my daughters, my mom, my dad, um, and then I'm surrounded by my African family, as I yeah. I tend to call it now. Um, I think you know life's too short to to not connect with other people. Yeah, and and the South African people are easy to connect with, and become very good friends and and family-ish. Um, there's there's not much I wouldn't do for you as you know and yeah. and most any of the others. But that that's the beauty about this industry is you just meet so many people from different walks of life and some people get on like a house on fire and some people you know it's just like a pass by but it, but you try and make every moment special and and I think from day one since we started hunting together it's been incredibly special you know every day yeah every day and it's that's kind of the the way I like to do it. It as you know, too many times this 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 hunt. I said, you know, just let's just drive. Yeah, let's just let it happen. Let let life happen. And w- we haven't killed good animals. We've killed magnificent animals. Um, Luckiest son of a gun you have <laughs> ever met in your life. We so we go on to the one, the first. It starts off with the far rebuck, I think, where the luck are really really figured it out yeah because the impala was 40 minutes black impala but a far rebuck hunt takes days sometimes even two or three safaris before pat gets there we get there and we literally probably drive around for about 20 15 minutes and we came up on the one ridge there and there was a herd and pat pat chose the ram out (coughs) i didn't see him properly um but yes, we got onto them. What was it? About a hundred and eighty yard shot. Yeah, about a hundred and eighty. Yeah, and sank him first shot. But but again, you know, this is uh, it's still in my mind. I still can't believe it. Yeah, that we got a fall rebuck. But uh, you know, and then it doesn't stop there. Then we go and steer back in the howling wind with flats all over the show, and we're not meant to get one because they shouldn't be out and pat sees one in the first what was that 20 minutes if that yeah if that yeah so you know that was we had an awesome hunt i think this last one was fantastic yeah but something i want to touch on and it's something very close to me because you know is the is bringing your kids over because i i said this in the last podcast i was I, i was my first animal i ever harvested i was lucky to have my dad with me and Every single time I get ready in the mornings, I always run through that same sequence with Greg, my uncle, my dad, showing me which animal to shoot, just take your time, be patient, all that sort of stuff. 
So all of that means the world to me. And I mean, I showed you some of the pictures with the blood and yes. eating the liver and that sort of stuff. So tell me what it meant to you having your daughters on this arm and harvesting their first African animal. Yeah, just massive pride. Um, <laughs> I've, yeah, I've hunted with my oldest daughter on a deer and an elk. We were successful on deer. Um, although she was very young, she was nine, uh, very, very shaky. So I really had to help her quite a bit on it. Um, this time around, um, my youngest Lillian, she actually, uh, she was the first one to pull the trigger over here, uh, with your help. You know, we, we spotted those, uh, bless buck. She, you know, being young, um, and not that much of an experienced hunter being 10 years old, she had a little bit of a hard time picking out what was the exact right animal that we were looking at, but but she found the animal that she wanted in that yeah. herd and, and placed a, a very, very good shot. Um, I, I believe that animal only probably went about maybe 40 yards. Yeah, but a perfect shot. I mean, perfect shot. Yeah. Um, you know, that one really, e- even with my daughter and her, the oldest daughter and her first deer, um, it's very emotional. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to be able to, I have no boys. Um, and I don't think that, that hunting is just for boys. You know, hunting should be for the whole family. Yeah. Um, you know, again, we, we, we took the first African animal with Asha, my wife, you know, that was exhilarating, you know, and, and she wasn't done. Yeah. Oh, well let's do this. Um, you know, she's not one to be greedy and we kind of had to coax her into going for a couple extras, but, um, she, she loves them very much and she's had a great time as well. But all of that is extremely emotional. And I, if I didn't ever kill another animal, my life is complete as far as my hunting career goes. It's the experience behind it. Because I mean, uh, it's it's something that will live in my memory for a very, very long time, if not for the rest of my life. And, and, and I treasure those sort of moments because it, you know, that's, it's, it's really, really special. And that's what I love about this industry is that we get to share these moments with, with, with these, yes. with these people. And I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, you know, and I think that's when it comes to the mounts too, is a lot of people don't really, they, they come into my office and they look at my heads on the walls and they, they, they see a dead animal and it it's, that's not, that's not what's there. Yeah sit down and take a minute with me and I'll explain to you what that animal means to me. It's, it's a reminder daily of, of, of that trip yeah. and, and things that I will never forget. Yeah. And I'll, ha- I'll have to treasure for the rest of my life. Yeah. No, it's like we were chatting the other day. It's a conversation piece. I mean, that's yes. just, you, you, again, you just run through those, those sequences that led up to, you know, seeing that animal fall. And, but, but to me, the thing that really caught myself with especially Asher and the girls is the amount of respect they had for those animals once they hit the ground, you know. And yes. that's something I think a lot of hunters, especially the youngsters, the young generation, they forget about that, you know, paying a little bit of respect to the animal that you've just killed and, you you know, you, you're going to feed your family with it and that sort of stuff. So that that to me was something that really, really stuck out. And, you know, that's, that, that's very good for for future generations to come and something that we should be taking from that. Um, but um, so now next year, what's plans for next year? Uh, next year, we're going to do September. Um, we 
actually Greg Harvey and I are going to go to Russia and do a brown bear hunt. Tell me a bit about that. Um, it's something that I've always wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, I started hearing about Kamchatka a number of years ago. Um, I was very nervous about going to Kamchatka, being that it's Russia and I'm American and there was tensions yeah. and, you know, it's new. You don't know. There's really no reputation by any set person. Um, and I just happened to sit down because we were walking by a number of booths and there was there was a Kamchatka brown bear hunt. And I went. Th- this was at ACI. SCI, yeah. yes. And I sat down with, with Greg and I said, you know, Greg, have you ever done a brown bear hunt in Kamchatka? And he said, no, I haven't. And I said, well, you know, I was just curious if you did because who would you recommend? And he goes, I've got a guy. Let's go. And, you know, he called his buddy. And next thing I know, within about 15, 20 minutes, we were booked. And we're headed out the last week of April and the first week of May for what I surely hope is one of the greatest experiences of my life. Because yeah. Russia, brown bear, Kamchatka, you know. The, the so big, big bear. The, so you're heading out in April, right? Yes. So that's spring there for them. That is spring there for them, yes. So, so why why they hunt bear in spring? Because um, they they're done with the hibernation. They're done with the hibernation, and it's it's kind of the pre-breeding. Okay. Um, you you can tend to take out um, those boars that aren't are, are past they're past their prime. Yeah. Um, they may not breed. Um, also, it's it's actually the best coat that they have. Um, when it comes to the the fall hunts, if and and there's a lot of the Kamchatka guides will not allow a hunt in the fall because um, it's just not a very nice animal. It, it's they are nice animals. I mean, they're still very nice, but it's not as nice as that spring bear is. Yeah, the coats are much nicer. Yeah, but so then you're doing that, and then you're going. You when you coming here in September? Coming here in September. Okay. So then, Pat, um, you mentioned something very, very early on in the podcast. I just wanted to bring it back to you. As far as political scenarios in the States, um, I picked it up when, I, when, when we came over from the first time I was in doing the shows, the hunting shows, is that um, people were unsure about Africa and stuff. What keeps, what keeps you coming back? Political-wise, you've seen on the news what's happening here. Are you scared? Are you nervous? What What would you say to people that are looking to come over for the first time? Um, you know, honestly, for a person that's wanting to come, forget about what you see on TV because as we now know, 90% of what we even see on TV is not true. Um, we were supposed to have another buddy come with us this year with his wife. And his wife, um, she's a dental hygienist and, and had a customer that told her, oh, don't go, it's it's massive turmoil there. And I said, where where was he? You know, was he in South Africa? Yeah. Was he in Zimbabwe? Was he in some of these war-torn areas? And, and, and we all know that Limpopo, you know, it has its issues. Johannesburg has its issues. It's big cities. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, not every city in the U.S. is very comfortable to walk around the streets in the daylight and dang sure not at nighttime. Um, so what's the difference? Yeah. You know, uh, it's a, this is a nice big country. Um, t- so this would be similar. If we're talking Limpopo region, Johannesburg, we would be somewhere in the heartland of America. 
you know, um, farmlands and that kind of stuff where you don't have to worry about that, that those incidents and stuff, you know, in America, I wouldn't, I wouldn't walk down the streets of Chicago yeah. in certain parts of Chicago and feel safe because I know I'm going to be in a great danger. Yeah. Uh, the same Baltimore, Boston, New York, LA, every big city has it. Even Phoenix, um, we're, we're actually a hundred miles from Phoenix and there's parts of Phoenix that I don't go to, yeah. y- you know, you just know. Yeah. And, and for somebody to, to put a label on an entire country, they, uh, South Africa has its, its political issues. Yeah. Um, so does America. Yeah. I mean, we're so divided in America right now. We can't get anything done and it's just hurting the people as it is here in, in South Africa. Yeah. And I, it pains me to see that because there, there's very good people here. Yeah. Um, just as there is in America that are being overlooked yeah. and, and pushed down because of, of stupidity and politics. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's always the sad thing about politics is they they have the power to divert, div, what's it divide a nation mm-hmm. and yep. it, and then like you said it breaks my heart because I mean it's just it shouldn't be this way we should be sharing these yeah these you know, beauties over you know and that's it you know and unfortunately with Barack Obama he brought color back yeah. Um, we we had worked really hard from the 1960s forward to to look at as each other as as men and as women, not yeah. colors. Yeah. Um, and and he destroyed all of that. Um, w- you know, our racial tension in our country is is pre pre 1960s. I mean, we we literally set back everything that Martin Luther King had put into place yeah. to where. It didn't matter who you were working with. You, you know, we're all human beings. We're just yeah. different skin tone. Yeah. But, and, and it's happening here to you guys. It is. It is. It, it, and, and, like, it's interesting as you say, Martha, uh, Martin Luther King, it's like the same, you know, with us, with Nelson Mandela. Everything that he did for us, everything seems like now with the political climate, everything's just going in reverse now. And it's it's terrible. It's, it's, yes. it's ridiculous. It shouldn't be like this. You, you know, and it's funny because with the, the political you know, you and I have talked about this on, on several occasions, and I, I see it here as it is in America. Um, we're we're resegregating mm. our races. Yeah, we're no longer living together because the government is, you know, and it, I don't know if it's by a choice or why they would e- think of these reasonings to say, "Hey, let's let's give these free housing, and we'll put this great community up." Yeah. With massive crime, you know, I don't have to explain to you the crime that goes on in, in, in these yeah. areas. And it's the same thing in the U.S. That's, yeah. you know, that South Chicago, it's it's predominantly uh, oh, a black community. And they stuff them on top of each other almost to create a tension. Yeah. And then they end up fighting and killing each other and and wouldn't we all be better off if we had the right to choose where we lived? Mm. But you're always going to have those that will take a free handout. Oh, yeah. Versus, and unfortunately, they don't understand that you feel a thousand times better when you earn something. Yeah. When you take it, you take too much for granted. Um, but it, by earning it, it gives you a pride. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's where, you know, in the 60s, in the 70s when the blacks started coming back with the whites and we started to, you know, um, 
intertwine the races and yeah. and there was no tensions i mean they're yeah. just there's always gonna be a little tension somebody's gonna bring something up you know and and now we're, we're back to talking about you know uh reparations for um for slavery yeah well, uh, well wait a minute that's you know you're talking w- <laughs> oh, well over a hundred years ago mm. working on 200 years my family didn't come to America until the very late 1800s, and we were way too poor to own a slave. Yeah. What do I owe you? Yeah. You know, I mean, my grandfather was killed in World War II. My my mother's father served in World War II in Korea. Um, where's my reparation? Yeah. Yeah. You know, but it's not about that. And I, I think if we can get to where our governments get out of our way and let us become mankind not a race yeah we'll be better off yeah no i agree 100 percent. and you know being out here in the bush we 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 get a little bit um, blinded by these sort of things but it's it's nice to come down to earth every now and then and actually see what the hell is going on out there but so so you wouldn't say that i mean with ash it's her first time to africa yeah it's her first time And, and she never had any uh, concerns or anything like that coming over she did okay she did have concerns you know she was worried about um safety okay you know i mean obviously um i've always had concerns myself you yeah. know the first time you go to some place <clears throat> you don't know what to expect yeah it's an it's an uncharted territory for yourself what what am i supposed to expect yeah um, the first time we came, the the Joburg Airport was was not a was not a nice airport. Yeah. Um, and it it was, it was a little rough. Um, so we were a little tense there. We got on the plane. We flew we flew down to uh, PE. Okay. And once we were at that airport, really every concern that I had just flowed away. Yeah. You know, and and PE is not a small city. It but it just it seemed home okay and the further we got out into the country we went to alexandria nice little small town all farms and that kind of stuff and there was no more tension i i felt no more tension i i actually had more tension between the the white ph and i than i did the two black track uh trackers oh really um i can still remember their names uh it's desmond and smiley okay and I remember that Desmond had a little girl and his wife. Smiley just had a wife that had no, uh, I believe, they did have a child and was his already old and had moved off. Okay. Um, I can't tell you what the PH's name is. You actually reminded me of it earlier this year. Yeah. Um, Louis, I think it is, yeah. right? Um, the, the thing that sticks out in my mind is Melody South Africa because I tell everybody don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> bad experience. Yeah, very bad experience. Um, but he's gone. Yeah. And it's because of, as we found out, you know, you hunted earlier this year with a man that lives in Utah and hunted with the same outfit as I did and had the exact same experience as I did. It was actually on the previous podcast, Jared. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you're not going to stay in business that long. You're just not. Um, And he was very, he was pressuring us constantly. You need to shoot more animals. You know, being that we were in a new a new country and someplace we'd never been, and, and you and I have done this as well. You know, we want to see the culture. 
we want to see the towns um, as stupid as it is. I mean, we went to a supermarket in uh, Fort Beaufort, you know, because we don't have the same foods. We do and we don't. Um, and it's neat to see, you know, the, the dumb things, the flavors of potato chips, um, you know, drinks, things that we're accustomed yeah. to that and you're accustomed to are completely different. And, and it's nice to walk in and see how, how does this side live? And he, it upset him terribly bad. Why are you going to do this? You, you, you should be spending your money. You yeah. should be hunting. And we said, well, we're here, you know, for 14 days. Mm. 12 are designated for hunting. And two are going to be personal days yeah. because we want to see stuff. And we did go into PE. We went to a nice curio shop. We, we bought knickknacks and that kind of stuff. And uh, I think it was a day or two later, we went to Addo Elephant Park. And that that was really that the tip of the iceberg right there for the, the hunt going terribly south. Was that towards the end of the hunt? Yeah, it was, it was actually right in the middle. Okay. It was right in the middle. And he just, he, he lost it. He had... He had no, no respect for us anymore. Okay. Um, you know, like we talked about the zebra, you know, <clears throat> pressure, constant pressure. Yeah. Shoot. Um, we got on a really nice zebra. Yeah. And that was a buddy of mine showed me his zebra skin. Oh, boy. That was probably about 90, 94. And was telling me and showing me pictures of his trips to Africa and just in the pictures, I fell in love, and I, I said, I will be there one day. Yeah. And the one thing that I wanted was a zebra. And we go to a, a different ranch, and, and, of course, this is something that people need to understand is that um, those are questions you need to ask. Do you have all the animals that you're after on that property? Yeah. Or do you need to go to another concession? Yeah and harvest from, from this farmer or this rancher. Um, and, and out of all the animals we took, I think we only took like two animals off of his property. Okay. Um, so it really wasn't, he didn't really have the animals. We constantly were driving to go, go do something. Um, we wound up at a very nice ranch. I, I, I wish I remembered the name of it. I don't. Um, we picked up another PH from that company. We got on Zebra. And the zebra was standing in cactus. Um, I, I didn't feel comfortable with the shot. The man kept telling me to shoot. Um, the PH from that company and him started to argue in Afrikaans. Um, you could see that both of them were very not happy with each other. Yeah. And the man turned to me and he said, I am your fucking PH. You will shoot that fucking animal if I tell you to. And I, I just told him one more time, I said, I'm, I'm really not comfortable. My bullet is going to hit a cactus. It's going to stray. I don't have a clean shot. And it did exactly as I said. It hit. It split the breast of the animal right open. Yeah. And the animal took off. We lost it. We spent most of that day looking for it. Um, and, and not only looking for it, but being chastised. Um, at one particular time, uh, you, you know, you fucking Americans don't know how to shoot. Yeah. Um, and then just 10 minutes later, he missed it. Um, oh, so you saw it again. Yeah, we, we did get, we got back on it one okay. more time and, and he flat missed it. Um, the other PH called back to his company. They brought out a second buggy. 
he actually got on that one more time and he missed it as well. Uh, the animal was wounded and it wasn't wounded very badly and it was not going to stick around to give you another shot. Yeah. That was easy. You know, we never recovered that animal and that, that just, that, that was just it. I mean, e- even that particular day as we were looking for that, we bumped an Impala and he was screaming in my face, you need to shoot that animal. And I said, it's not on my package. I don't want an Impala. I want so the is zebra. This, is this all going on while you guys are looking for the zebra? Yes. Yes. Jeez. It just, it, I mean, it's just mass chaos. I yeah. mean, it was so uncomfortable. Uh, the PH from the other company actually approached me and said, hey, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. This is not how we run our concession. Yeah. Um, I would not have had you take that shot. Okay. And unfortunately, you drew blood. And my boss says you pay. Yeah. So I ended up paying, oh boy, I think it was $1,400. For zebra? For zebra. Oh my word. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, so it was a good deal of money. Yeah. You know, and to lose an animal, paying that kind of money and having that experience, yeah, it, it hurt. Yeah. You know, uh, yes, that, that makes me so angry because you, you, you do get oaks like that that, in this industry that just mess it up for all of us and and that oh frustrates me so much and i in somewhat actually it brings me to a point of boiling point i mean it, it just angers me but so that's the biggest thing i think as well that people need to understand when they come over here is that they and, and i remember telling this to lily when she was on that zebra i said if you're not comfortable don't take the shot because that's that's the biggest thing you need to do yeah, is, is you've got to be comfortable. Yeah, but um, so so then, but yeah, Pat, um, you you know you, this might be a tough question to ask, but so what kept you coming back, especially to the Eastern Cape? I mean, surely often an experience like that should have chased you off. Um, it was the it was the other people, it was the other people, it was the country, it was the animals. Um, I wasn't done. I knew that I would come back. Um, I knew that it was going to take me a great deal of time to actually find the place I wanted to come back to. Um, again, we did we did have a recession that hit hard. Arizona was, I think, the, the second or third heaviest um, recipient of that recession. I yeah. mean, it really hurt us bad. I remember, yeah. It so, I mean, we spent four years coming back out of it, and then when we finally came back out, you know um, – it kind of built my business okay. back up to where I was, and I got to a point where I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to get interested here. And I believe that was in, oh, boy, 15 that we actually met Greg. Um, it was the STI show of 2015. Oh, really? We met him in 2015, and Danny was just not ready to pull okay. the trigger. Um, I was ready to go. Yeah. I, I was, you know, I believe that was in – late January that year and I was ready to show up May, June. And Dan said, No, I, I need to I need to get myself right for this. Yeah. Um I think you know, again, there's there's always that tension of what do I what am I gonna expect? Yeah. And Espe- especially after your stories from bad experiences. Uh, exactly. Yeah. That didn't yeah. help. Yeah. Um you know, we, we went home, we we got to talking and we we really knew that we were going to go back with Greg. Okay. Um, we did actually go back and talk to Greg and say, we're not really going to book this year. We are going to book next year. Um, we'll come back and see you. 
uh, and the the very first day that we hit uh, Las Vegas, yeah, we went straight to the the booth okay. and sat down and booked the hunt because we knew that at that point these are the days we want to go. We're ready to roll. So so you booked the January. Did you come the same year or did you come the following year? You would have come the following year because you started with me in 2017. Yeah. Yeah. 2016. So yeah, we met him in 2016. I'm okay. sorry. We did okay. meet him in 2016. So that when we booked in 2017 is when I when I first met you. Yeah. Uh, as a PH. So You've been giving me shit since then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you love every minute of it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so Pat, now next year, uh, let me just check here quickly. So next year you coming over so you're doing the brown bear then you're coming over to south africa what have you got planned for us in south africa uh next year um i want to do uh go back down to the coastline around port alfred okay um so the same place where we shot the bushbuck this year yes okay i i maybe we hopefully we can find a, a permit in time to do orby okay um the blue diker um I believe the Grisbuck is down there. Yeah. Um, Cape Grisbuck. And the Clip Springer. Yeah. So I'd like to do that hunt down there and, and give myself started pretty healthily on the, the Tiny 10. Okay. Um, and then we'll come back up here. Um, most likely we'll do the giraffe because the wife, the kids, and the mother <laughs> is not here to say no, 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 no. <laughs> um, you know, and, th- and that's, that is one of the hardest things about you know, with the kids is yeah. they, all the animals are beautiful. Yeah. You know, no matter if what, what really country you're in, all the animals are beautiful. Yeah. And to, to lay it down and take its life is hard for some people to really do. And, and the giraffe is just, it's just a so unique animal that there's just a, a little tension with them about me doing it. Um, but I, I think with everybody, I think it's a, it's a, what's it how would you say controversial animal yeah i mean uh, social media the minute you post those pictures they jump the greenies and the, everybody just jumps on the bandwagon and starts it's one of those animals that you you got to be very wary about but yeah it, you know we we need to do it we need to hunt these animals they feed a village with a giraffe so it's it, if we don't hunt them it's it's like all of our animals if we do not hunt them there is no price value on the animal. Yeah. And if there's no price value, then, you know, guys like Greg Harvey are not going to put that animal on their ranch. Because yeah. why are you going to feed something and tend to it and have to deal with that animal on a daily basis if there's no return? Yeah. Um, when there is a return, it, it feeds that industry and, and there's more of them and the breeding conservation part of it really comes into effect and it allows those animals to come back to very good populations. Yeah. And then, um, and we didn't get a buff this safari. We tried. We did try. Just uncle Greg would not let us shoot his Buffalo. (laughs) (laughs) Greg's, Greg's got one of his first breeding bulls here on the ranch. Uh, his name's Brutus, beautiful Cape Buffalo, but it was the first one he ever bought. So, Although he's deteriorating in age, no one's allowed to shoot him. But yeah. he is. He's, he's magnificent to have a look at. I believe the text message back to me said, he is mine. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I took that hint as the, don't even try to ask again. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll do the buffalo next year. 
Um, and then I just wanted to, before we start ending off, I just wanted to ask a quick question. You, we, we had a, you, you mentioned something about the 2008 recession and stuff. Um, with Trump being in office now, have you seen a lot more interest in the hunting side? Because, I mean, let's face facts. When I went there in 2018, when Trump just took office, there were still talks about opening lion hunting and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you see... But and people were booking more safaris then as well because they yeah. were a lot more... They were a lot more secure about what was happening in the, in, in the poli political side of things. Exactly right. Uh, Barack Obama basically told everybody, if you have a surplus of cash, we're going to take it. Yeah. And we're going to disperse it to everybody. Well, that meant right away everybody took their money, their, their liquid assets, if you will, and they put it into tangible assets such as second, third. I, I've actually done business with people who own five houses because they were worried about Barack Obama and the government taking their cash that okay. they were living off of. Now those people are, have turned and they're selling the houses and they, they recoup their liquid assets and they're looking at, okay, I've got money again. Yeah. What can I do with this money? And they're returning to the hunting. They're returning to the vacations. Um, they're doing the things that they didn't really want to do because you don't want to show that you have money. If you, if you, you know, if they see you doing a $20,000 safari, well, if he's got enough money to do $20,000 safari, he's got enough money to share with, you know, John Q. Public down the road yeah. to make his life better, too. So I think with Trump, almost immediately, um, I, I've seen in the show populations, and it's a little bit hard to judge this because we went from Vegas, which... Vegas in the wintertime is, it's awesome. Yeah. It's warm. If you're from the Midwest where it's freezing cold, go to Vegas. You can warm up. You can party. You can book your hunts. You know, there's plenty of accommodations. And I don't know what SEI did, but they went back to Reno for three years. Um, Reno is a high desert. It's very cold. Um, Extremely fact, cold. This it was there. freezing this year. Oh, my goodness. And even with that, um, the numbers were very, very good. In the previous years when Obama was in, when we would go to SCI, yeah. there wasn't, I don't think there was a numbers. And, and as soon as Trump took in, the numbers increased dramatically in attendance. But, but, but why is that, though, Pat? Be because the, the, that, that fear of, of having your money taken away yeah. from you, again, that it just allows you to, Okay, now I, I now I feel free to spend my money. Yeah. Everybody's got a nest egg. And you know, it's like playing poker. You don't you don't want to show all your cards because then everybody knows what you have. Yeah. Um and I think a lot of people I I know that a lot of people cuz I in in my hometown uh, it's all retirement and these are people who they have their nest egg and they knew they had their nest egg and they were like, "Hey, as soon as Barack Obama said we're going to take your money, Boom, they bought a second house, they bought a third house, they bought a fourth house, and they were living off of what the rent was monthly until now that the economy has turned, which was actually a very, very beneficial thing for them because not only were they gaining some of that cash back in rent, 
Um, they didn't have the big nest egg, so to speak, but they were able to live. Trump takes office and the housing market takes off. Um, I have a house now that in, gosh, I think we've been there just a little over three years, okay. and it's, it's gone up uh, over 30% in, in two years. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, now these people are selling those homes because they feel comfortable. They can put their money back in the banks and that kind of stuff and, and know what they have as that collective nest egg. And once you know what money you have, then you can plan these trips. Yeah. You can come. You can do this. You can say, you know, hey, I, I, I don't mind paying $2,500 for a set animal, whereas before, you know, I need to, I need to really look and, you know, it, should I take that $600 animal? You know, and I can only come, if I do come, I can only take four animals. Now you have the money, you have the reserves, you can open that up, you can take a few. Um, you know, as you've seen with me, I mean, yeah. the first year, um, it was a, almost a said package. Um, we did add on a few animals. Yeah. Um, but it was still somewhat reserved. Yeah. This, this particular hunt, uh, last year, I, I kept it to a minimum just simply so my father could hunt. Um, we were only here seven days, so it was yeah. it was rushed with him being handicapped and stuff. I wanted to let him do more hunting than I did. Um, he had a great time. I had a great time. But this particular time has been monumental. I, I just, I don't know what else we could have done to make it any better. Yeah. I really don't. Mm. You know, we're, we're, we're burning a hunting day today. But we're relaxing, we're conversing, yeah. and just having a good time. Taking it all in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, but sorry, just back to the Trump thing. Do you think in the first thing? Do you think he'll get office again? Yes. Do you think so? Yes. Secondly, do you think he's ever going to relax his lion hunting things? You know, his son is a hunter. Um. I I, I hope that he does. I I. I I wouldn't even really like to venture to guess on if he will or will not. There's still a lot of greenies that are pushing pretty hard on that. Um, and, and just seeing here in South Africa over the past three years, we're seeing that what's happening to the animals, the, the animal populations are going down dramatically because we can't get them back. So if we can't get them back, we're not going to hunt them. And the populations are down. Yeah. Um, there's still a lot of other countries that allow hunting, but a lot of those countries don't come to hunt. Um, so the one who takes the biggest hit is the actual animal. I, I, I'm hoping that his son will, will convince him to get in that open. Um, I definitely am going to talk to my, my, my congressman when I get home. I've got a, a very, very good congressman in Paul Gosar. Um, and I've actually... I, I guess I, I really shouldn't say I've been c become close to him, but as as close as you can become to yeah. a, a congressman, meeting him willy nilly, you know, a couple times a year. But he does hunt me down in in certain settings. You know, we we did an NRA banquet, and he hunted me down in that, and sat and we talked all night. Um, he likes my views. He likes he knows that when he talks, yeah. I'm going to take that and and refer it over to my friends who don't go to those kind of functions and I educate them. So passing that education along really seems to help. Um, I am going to talk to him. 
I am going to start calling some of the senators and stuff and saying, hey, look, you're really not doing any justice for the animals. Um, you know, because of one dentist and what one unethical pH did, that doesn't mean that all of it is bad. Yeah. Um, I, I pray that he does. Um, I've got a, I got a lioness that amount that I've been wanting to do for a very, very, very long time. And I, I, I'm not going to spend the money on it until I can have the mount in my yeah. house. Yeah. Um, it just, it's, it's senseless. Um, I do believe Trump's going to get back in. Uh, there's too many of the Democrats are, are just wanting to give everything away. Okay. You know, uh, right now, our economy is the best it's been since I believe. I believe we're back to the '60s. Our right. yeah, economy is is quite well right now. Um, black unemployment is the lowest it's ever been in history. Okay. Um, the I get I get chastised for saying Mexican because yeah. you're supposed to call them Latino. Yeah. But um, I grew up with tons of Mexican friends. Um, and I asked them, you, you know, am I supposed to call you Latino now? No, we're Mexicans. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but the Mexican unemployment is at an all-time low. Um, the white unemployment is the best it's been in something like 50 years. That's crazy. So, so even these millennials who, you know, under Obama, they, they didn't have jobs, but they had school debts. They had all these things yeah. piling on top of them. They're living with their parents. You know, they're, they're 28 years old living with their parents. They can't even get a job. Well, now they're getting jobs, and they're getting good jobs. And there's, there, there actually is a surplus of jobs in the United States. That's something that doesn't come out on the news media very often. Um, but there's 200,000-plus jobs that they don't even have people to fill those positions. So there's really, I mean, if you, if you yeah. consider 200,000-plus <laughs> jobs, what would that do to the economy, you know, to the unemployment rates of yeah. those others? Uh, I believe our unemployment on whites is like 3.2%. Okay. Um, actually, I take that back. I think it's collectively, all combined, it's 3.2% yeah. unemployment in the in the country. Uh, when Barack Obama was the president, um, it was nine, and I believe it went as high as nine one or nine two. Yes. You know, 315 million plus people in the country. That's a staggering number. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we're down to we're. I think in the next year we'll be below three. Really? Yeah. He's just adding jobs left and right. And again, when a man makes money for himself and has a job, he feels like he has a purpose and a worth. And when, you, when, when you're making money and things are good, you don't want them to change. Yeah. You're always going to have these radicals. Most of the Democrats are, are highly radical. They're chasing the illegal alien vote right now. They're... Uh, Oh, I can't remember what state it is. Um, one of them is actually proposed that they they allow the illegals to vote. If you're not a citizen, you shouldn't be able to vote. Yeah. Okay, but they know that those numbers are there. But what they're doing at the same time by doing that, they've taken that Latino vote that the, the people who are residents of the United States are they're seeing a huge backlash because yeah. they thought, oh. All the, all the Latinos will gang together and they'll vote for us. Yeah. Well, the ones who have been here and have been working their butt off yeah. are not happy with that as well. So that's turning against them. They just had the first debate and everything was free. 
I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you this. Um, you know, each, each candidate said, well, not only am I going to give you free college, I'm going to give you this, and I'm going to give you a car, and I'm going to, you know, all these things will be free, free, free. That word free is dangerous. The word free is very dangerous because what they don't understand is that, and they use the models because they take small excerpts of the whole story. Mm. You know, they use uh, Sweden. Oh, Sweden has free college. Well, yeah, Sweden only has, I think, 17 million people. Yeah. Okay. And they do have free college for the ones who can pass the aptitude tests. You don't pass the aptitude test in high school. You go to trade school. So it's only about 25% of the, the students are eligible to apply. That's the key word, eligible to apply for the free college. And of that 25%, I think it's only about 25% of them actually get the free college. You can go to college if your parents are rich. They can pay for you to go to college. It's no different than the United States having a scholarship program. If, if our kids are very smart, um, I, I've got a few family friends that their kids have actually gotten full ride scholarships for being extremely intelligent and, and were able to go to college for free. That's what, that's the same thing that they're doing. They're taking the, the ultra smart and teaching them more. But everybody else has to pay. It's the same as it is in the US. So the word free is there, but you've got to earn it. Yes, yeah. exactly right. So is it really free? And, and then you, you, you have to stop and look at that grand scheme. Um, the millennials are not happy with paying money to the government, but they want free stuff. Right now, um, the average person in the United States pays about 33 to 35% in taxes. Um, if we get the quote unquote free stuff, like Sweden, 60 plus percent tax. It's not free. Yeah. They're going to take it from you somewhere. Yeah. No, I agree. Common sense. Uh, and, and I think under the Trump administration, we are seeing more and more common sense come back. Um, CNN, lowest ratings of any TV show on TV. Really? Any TV show. Why, why is that? Because they lie. And they don't tell the whole truth. And people are just finally going, you know what? Hey, wait a minute. You know, you said this, and it didn't happen, and it was this. And, I mean, you know, look at uh, NBC with Brian Williams. Yeah. The, the man actually had manufactured four or five different stories that were, ne were not even true at all. Not, not even a little iota of it was true. Hell, uh, the wife of a president, Hillary Clinton, actually flew into, I believe it was uh, Slovakia, I think it might have been Slovakia. Um, oh, we flew in under fire. We weren't under fire. If they were shooting rockets and, and, and you know, bullets at you, the plane would have diverted and they would have went someplace else. Yeah. You know, I mean, to, to, yeah, to embellish something so stupid. Yeah. But people are too used to going on the TV and being used to being told what to believe. And, and as things are getting better and better, the people are turning off the TV, and they're going, hey, you know, maybe this isn't... They call it bullshit. Don't they? Yeah, they're calling bullshit yeah. big time. Yeah. Yeah, big time. So if, if he does not, um, you're going to see a huge, huge downfall of the United States. Okay. You, you will. That's scary. It, it is. It's extremely scary, and that's, again, that's one of the things. Eventually, it's going to go back to the Democrats 
with all this free talk and, and we're going to give you this, give you that. And that's why I plan on coming to South Africa and, and having myself, you know, either one country or the other I can be in and, and be okay. Yeah. So. Pat, this is, I mean, we've had lots of these discussions, but it's been awesome to have you here and oh, 14 days of heaven. <laughs> <laughs> 14 days of great conversation, great hunting. Just a quick question. Out of all the animals we killed on the safari <coughs> and all the moments we've shared, what sticks out for you the most? My daughter's blessed buck. Okay. Why is that? There's just, it's hard to explain what goes through a father's heart yeah. when you know that you've, you've taught them, you've taught them as much as you can teach them, but then there becomes a point where it's, it's up to them. It, you know, I, I've taught them, I've given them the knowledge of everything that I can, but when you take an animal's life with a, with a weapon, it's them. Yeah. And, and standing back and watching my, my little girl with excitement, um, no fear, um, with the understanding that she was taking a life yeah. um, and didn't, didn't really, you know, shy away and, and say, ooh, or I can't do this. Yeah, yeah. And she followed through and she took a, a great animal, her first animal that nobody can ever take away from her. Um, you know, I still remember my first deer hunt. I, you know, I remember my first elk hunt that I took yeah. an animal. Those are always things that nobody will ever be able to take away. There's some of the other elk hunts. I don't remember all of the details, but those first, those first are special. Yeah. And your first big game animal period, it's for It's with you forever. Yeah. Forever. And, um, you know, That one I think is 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 the absolute number one. Number two, um, it's going to be my wife um, taking her Eland. Number three is my oldest taking her her zebra. Yeah. And then number four, I'd say my Vol Reed buck. Yeah, I you know I don't show emotion a great deal, but um, it just that that's a it's a very strange little animal. Um, a beautiful little animal, and and I do know that it's it's a very tough animal to hunt. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I think what, if anybody really puts it everything into perspective, you know, and like I told you many times, this, this this hunt, just let it be, just just go with the moment, and you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, two nights ago, we we shot a magnificent fallow deer. Yeah. We went out, and you were, what are we hunting for? I don't know. We're just going to drive until something happens. Yeah. And we took a great fallow deer, and my daughter took her first blessed buck. Yeah. Because we we weren't – people need to, to realize that, and I think that's one thing that could really help, one, with the PHs and, and also the clients. Just don't, don't push. Yeah. Don't push. I, I did it myself. I made those mistakes. I pushed really hard to get certain things. You know what? Does it really matter? You're 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 pushing so hard that you're you're forgetting to enjoy the moment. Yeah. 
And that whether you take one or you take 10, I don't, I'm ashamed to say how many I took this time. <laughs> but um, this has been the most enjoyable hunt because yeah. it was just so relaxed and things just happened. Yeah. You know, we, I mean, we would literally set out and, and there might be an, uh, an inkling of an idea of what we're going to go after. Yeah. And other things just came along. Uh, Ash's water buck. Well, we went after the common reed buck, and I don't think we were even, I think we were actually going to come back for lunch. Yeah, that's exactly And just happened to come upon a magnificent water buck. Yeah. Let it happen. Go with the flow, let it happen, be relaxed, enjoy everything, especially Hunter's Hill with the magnificent views. Um, you know, from the mountainous terrains to the plains, you know, the sunsets, um, Rocklands with the sunrises in the in the historic buildings, yeah. um, Comrie with with the whole little setup tucked back into the mountainside the way they are, yeah. another magnificent place. Soak that in. Yeah, the smaller things that count. Though. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 the experience. Yeah. Use use it as the experience of being here as a whole, and forget about the the kill. Yeah. And, and it'll it'll be a successful hunt for everybody. Yeah. Pat, my friend, cheers to many, many more years. <laughs> many. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, uh, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. And uh, I've had a fantastic safari. I really have. And like I said to you earlier, it's been very, very special to me. So uh, thank you, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Yes, thank you for having me.